In this, Jimmy Dean Keene and Caroline Bear Guidry have arrived at an auto sale looking for new raw material for Jimmy's business venture. He's put his elbow out, and after spending a moment figuring out what he was trying to do, Caroline puts her hand in it, and they begin walking through the acres and acres of automobiles in various states of repair. From whole but a bit dusty and clearly hadn't been driven for a while, to hunks of smashed glass and metal that folded like an accordion, with many forms in between. Jimmy is telling Caroline, These guys I'm working with are some of the best mechanics and auto body repair guys in the game. And they're humble, too. They don't charge up. They're honest, which I guess is something people don't really expect from a bunch of dudes who've been to prison, but... Caroline gives him an encouraging smile. People change, and it sounds like they learned something, which is more than some people do. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think, too. You probably noticed that by now. I honestly assume most car dealers have been to prison or known somebody that's been to prison, so it wouldn't bother me none knowing that they had been. <laughs> You're probably not too far off the mark. She looks at him a bit more. He's on the job in his mindset and demeanor. And that's evident in the way he's carrying himself. Composed and confident. Scanning the rows of automobiles as they walk by. Everybody you know is the best at what they do, huh? He looks back at her. Smiles. Yeah. Actually, I like to surround myself with the best. He winks at her. Why would I settle for anything less? Well, you don't have to settle, because you're the best yourself. He basks in this for a minute, and then his eyes light upon something. Oh, check that out. He indicates towards... A behemoth pickup truck that's sitting especially high because it's surrounded by a partially flattened sedan on one side with a VW bug parked nearby. It's got a commercial sized bed and says Ford on the tailgate. I think that's a F-250. I'm not sure. Either way, my guys are always looking for farm trucks and you almost never see one of that size. The bigger, the better. Up to a point, of course. As they draw alongside this vehicle, they see that it's missing most of the front end. There's no bumper, headlights, grill, hood. From the cab forward, it's just the chassis with the engine sitting there. And it is a big fucking engine. Damn, what a beauty. There's a man hanging around in what appears to be an official auspice, so Jimmy approaches him. Hey, man, does that thing run? Yeah, it starts if that's what you want to know. Last I knew. All right. How much you asking for it? Two fifty. Jimmy takes a closer inspection of it, and apart from the fact that it's, like, 
two-thirds of a truck? There doesn't appear to be anything visibly wrong with it. It's maybe a bit old, but apart from the obvious, it's in good condition and appears to have every part that couldn't be easily replaced. Yeah, all right. Jimmy takes out a checkbook. My buddies are going to love this. I'll have them send one of their guys over. We'll have this out of here by dinner time. Maybe even by lunch, depending on how the rest of the day goes. He's very happy with this. You know, even if they can't get that thing to start, there's at least $250 worth of parts in it anyway, so that's money well spent. He's walking along with a little briefcase under one arm, Caroline's hand threaded through the other elbow. They're coming up on the tail end of a car that he recognizes. The emblem is distinct among the forest of domestic vehicles like Ford, Chevy, Chrysler, smattering of Japanese vehicles like Toyota, Honda. Caroline notices it too. Oh, BMW. This example is in a silvery gray. Jimmy gives it a narrow-eyed look. I don't know. I don't even really deal that much in beamers anymore. Let me show you why. They come up on it, step around to the front, and sure enough, yep, Jimmy indicates with his arm. This is the natural state of a BMW. The entire front end of the thing is smashed in. It is crumpled like a beer can. The front bumper is practically a V-shape, and the hood is so badly mangled, it's folded almost like a piece of paper. Oh. Yeah, they all look like this eventually. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. You ever see one that doesn't look like this? It's just that it doesn't look like that yet. Give it a little time. <laughs> Is that the rule? Yeah. It's in the contract. You buy a BMW and you gotta wreck it. If you don't wreck it, you gotta sell it to somebody who will. <laughs> Ideally, you flip it. But you can also upend it in a ditch or, like this guy appears to have done, smash it full speed head-on into an immovable object. That's the only way to do it. <laughs> Jesus. The windshield is a mass of cracks. The glass is held together by sheer miracle. Caroline tilts her head to look into the driver's compartment, but then decides maybe she doesn't really want to. You suppose this one had a fatality? <sighs> Jimmy studies the wreckage. It could go either way. Yeah, I think this type of smash-up could definitely kill somebody, but then again, maybe the dude was drunk and he just walked it off. I've seen drunk people survive in some hella crash. I guess because if you're fucked up, you don't brace yourself. You just shake like a jello mold and then you get up and you're fine. I bet if we see ten other beamers today, we won't see one with a whole front end. I wouldn't even buy this for scrap. Caroline takes a critical look at the tragically wrecked car. 
<sighs> Sex British Motor Works. That's what the BMW stands for, right? Yeah, it does. He puts his elbow out for her hand again. He's pleased that she knows this. She's a bit acquainted with one of his favorite areas of interest. He's also very pleased when, several minutes later, they come across another type of car altogether. Ah, yeah. That's bringing back some fond memories. It's a 1970s Chevy Camaro. Green with a white racing stripe on the trunk lid, up over the roof, and down onto the hood. The stripe makes it go faster. <laughs> That's what I've heard. This car is a bit dusty. Looks like it's covered in a bit of road dust. But from their vantage point, it looks more or less intact. Yeah, that's a real classic. I wonder what's wrong with it. Jimmy walks around to the passenger side. His face changes. Oh, yeah, come here. Caroline joins him, and it's immediately apparent. The car's damaged. What's wrong with it is that the passenger side has been largely caved in. And the point of impact looks very clearly and exactly like the front end of another car. Ouch. Yeah, that hurts. But, you know, it's not even that bad. Absent other variables that I couldn't possibly know about, this looks like it was survivable. The driver's compartment is undamaged, and there's no blood or anything visible inside. The windshield is whole. Doesn't look like anybody smashed their head into it or got ejected from the car. He would have been pretty shook up. Maybe he went to the hospital, but eh, I guess he lived. Caroline's studying the car. Jimmy asks... What do you think happened here? Hmm. She rubs her chin a little bit. I'm guessing. She points at the Camaro. Drag racing. Middle of the night. Came up on an intersection. She adjusts her finger to point at the impact mark. And that guy? Maybe also drag racing? Didn't see him. Jimmy's impressed. Yeah, you should be an investigator. He can't stop looking at the car, and she recognizes something in his face. I like this one. This could make a real good first car for some young guy. Caroline looks at him a bit skeptically, points again at the damage to the passenger side where it got T-boned. Really, you think so? Well, for the right guy. What if it was a girl? Like who? Daisy Duke? He thinks about this for a minute. Doesn't take him a whole minute to recognize. Yeah, there's a few of them running around out here. Or, I guess, the right girl. A short time later, Jimmy has also purchased this car. Put the title in his briefcase along with that of the truck. Yeah, this is a good day. You're like a rabbit's foot or something. You good luck. You gonna put me in your pocket and pet me every now and again? Honestly, I would if I could. 
Hey, I'm going to find a payphone and call the Fontenot's. Come get this shit. You won't. We should split up, and I'll come find you when I'm done. You sure you'll be able to find me? Yeah, just keep walking straight down this row, and I'll come across you eventually. If I don't, just take off your jacket and wave it over your head or something. (laughs) I bet I could find somebody that's got a signal flare. Yes. Good thinking. (laughs) I doubt it'll come to that. I'll see you in 30 minutes, thereabouts. And if I'm going to be longer than that, then I'll set up a signal flare. Okay. It's a deal. You got it. She gently lets go of his arm. He points at her. Winks. She points back at him. He sets off to find a payphone, and she sets off to continue looking at the cars. It's like thrift shopping, but for automobiles. She's quite good at finding interesting things at thrift stores. And to her delight, mild surprise and excitement, she finds something here, too. She notices the rear end of a black Mercedes, not dissimilar to the one Jimmy drives. But this one is a four-door sedan. It looks a bit newer than his. As she walks around it, she sees that it looks in very good shape. Better than most of the cars they've looked at that day. It's even still a bit shiny. Doing a lap around the whole car, she discovers that it's in one piece. However, there's a tarp pulled across the hood and the windshield, obscuring the entire front portion of the car. So she suspects that whatever is going on is happening under there. So she decides to walk over to the driver's side window, carefully peek in, and crane her head to look towards the inside of the windshield, take a guess what might be happening under there, try to see what she might see. Several minutes later, as he'd anticipated, Jimmy is looking for her, walking down the rows of cars, intently scanning, turning his head from side to side, But she makes it easy on him by stepping out and waving her arm. He's not too far away, so he finds her immediately. Hey, you find anything? Matter of fact, I did. She beckons. The look on her face has him intrigued, so he follows her to the car. Sees this pretty pristine-looking later model Mercedes sedan. Ah! Needle in the haystack? What's the damage? She points in through the window. He, too, leans over to glance around the tarp, crane his neck to look at the inside of the windshield, and... Oh! High up near the roof is a single impact mark in the glass from which is spiderwebbed out a series of cracks, and the point of impact itself is surrounded by blood. Jimmy puts a hand up over his eyes to shield the glare and look down at the driver's seat, and there is a large stain on it, like the driver pissed his or her pants, either from fright or as the bodily process of one who is deceased, or both. Oh, wow. There was a death attached to this one. Caroline glances around them, 
doesn't notice anyone who might tell her not to do it, so she pushes the tarp up the hood a bit. There is a dent in it, tells the story pretty cleanly. The car hits something that flew up onto the windshield, and or the driver became unmoored in their seat and flew forward, striking their head. Well, yeah, you don't see that every day. Let me see that. Jimmy pushes the tarp a bit further up the hood. The damage there is pretty well cosmetic. He looks at Caroline, who looks at him. How would you feel about driving a car that somebody died in or on? I don't know, probably depending on whether or not I knew about it. <sighs> right. Frankly, it's like houses. You never know. Somebody could have died in any of them. Especially the older they are and the longer they've been around. You know, it wouldn't bother me either, honestly. Unless the car itself was sentient and did the killing, like in that Stephen King movie. They both look at the car. It does not look back at them. It's just sitting there. An inanimate object. You hold down the fort. I'm gonna go find the docent. He finds somebody a couple rows over. Brings him back. How much are you asking for this, hunka? The guy consults his list. 2500 Would you take 15 Jimmy points in through the driver's window. Because I'm going to have to replace that seat and its leather. The docent looks in through the window, then cranes his head to look at the windshield. Doesn't visibly react, but he looks back at Jimmy. 2000 $1,750. Less than 10 minutes later, Jimmy is filling out a check for $1,800. All right, man. Settled. My guy's on his way right now. Shouldn't be too long. We'll have this junk out of your hair in no time. Jimmy turns back to Caroline. Self-satisfied smile on his face. Looking more like a used car salesman than she has ever seen him before. You are good luck. This is great. Let's go hang out in the parking lot. Once the guy gets here with the truck, I'll just hand him the paperwork and we can get the fuck out of here. As far as I'm concerned, the first rule of a successful gambler is don't push your luck. Always quit while you're ahead. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I'm getting a little hungry anyhow. She holds out her hand, but rather than putting his elbow out, Jimmy puts his hand out and just takes hers so they can hold hands. Then he thinks about it for a minute, lets go, puts his arm around her shoulder instead. She'll take that. She puts her arm around his shoulders as well. They set off towards the parking lot. This is as close as I can get to putting you in my pocket, petting you. <laughs> yeah, don't think I'd quite fit. She studies his face, thinks that on some level he may always be a haunted man. But even with that in mind, if it's true... He looks about as carefree as she could imagine. I'm a lucky guy. On a roll. 
All right, well, don't quit on me now. He tilts his head back, taking in some sun through his apparently fake designer sunglasses. Nah. Wouldn't dream of it. I'm gonna play until I quit winning. 